How are the leaders at all levels of management tackling the toughest challenges each day? That's the question. And this podcast is the answer. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'm bringing on the brightest minds in management to share practical solutions to those challenges you're facing. Let's get ready to jam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam Session. Today's guest is Dr. Robert DeFinis, who has worked with children, athletes, coaches, leaders, and organizations for over 20 years. He has a diversified background with extensive experience in education, leadership, law enforcement, and behavioral analysis. And he's here today to talk about his book, Gen Exceptional, How the Unique Traits of Generation X Can Transform Leadership. Robert, welcome to the Jam Session. Thanks for having me. And are you ready to jam? I'm ready to jam. You are. I am ready. I'm more than ready because I was really looking forward to having you on the show here because this is a, a hot topic. Love this topic. Love your book as well. And in the book, you talk about how Generation X is considered the forgotten generation. So curious if you can share what you mean by that. When I first started to research this topic a little bit, I, I know from my perspective, I always feel like uh, as a part of this generation on, and on the younger side of the generation, I do feel like I'm forgotten sometimes. I feel like when I'm in the work environment, I've been passed over for more see what I, what I would determine and what I've been told more veteran and seasoned leaders. We, we are packaged in there a little bit between baby boomers and millennials. And now on the cusp of that are the Gen Z. Yeah. And it was funny. I was talking to my son and this topic, as I've been researching it and writing the book, He's like, well, dad, what am, what am I? Like, and I was trying to explain with him, we can't label generations quick enough because now where it used to be 20 to 15 year generational cohorts and even millennials and Zs are packaged in within 10 to 15 years, the new generations, we can't label them and determine their parameters right now because they're happening in increments of like two to three years. Wow. So back to your question, yeah, it is a forgotten generation. It's not represented very well in leadership, leadership studies and research. If you look in organizations, big organizations to mid-side organizations, this group usually lies and lies under the radar. I don't know if that's by design. I think if you talk to a lot of Gen Xers, they prefer not to be, you know, in the mix of things, you know, and that's, that's a part of the book as well. Yeah, the latchkey generation, the forgotten generation, I think it sometimes, it does fit. You know what? That's a great point because as I'm sitting here thinking about this, and my boys call me a boomer, and I'm not a boomer. I'm a Gen X, so, but they just love to call me a boomer. But you're right. As a Gen X, we never really talked about our generation. It just became more prevalent when all of a sudden the, what dominated the conversations were millennials. And, and you're right. It's kind of like, well... What about the Gen X? And you make a great point. A lot of Gen Xers have been passed over for promotions. And what do you think leads to that? Is it because there's so many boomers or? Well, the boomers never left. Well, and when they were just about to leave, we had a pandemic. And that uh -huh. brought a lot of them back where they had to stay. A lot of the research will say that the boomers are considered the sandwich generation. And I, I disagree with that. I think boomers have been in the work environment the longest, if you look at longevity, and you're absolutely right about that, on their heels, really, because they've been in it so long, and they're represented well into their 60s and now into their 70s uh, in some capacity, right? Whether they're doing volunteer work or they're formally in an organization 
or they're part-time or they do some type of hybrid work, they still exist. And the dominant generation, the millennials, they make up the biggest as far as population is concerned. So they get, I think they just both get a lot of the the press and a lot of the the highlight in an organization where Gen Xers, you know, again, they just kind of go under this radar. And I know the research is there to support it. How a lot of this, and I'm sure this will come up in conversation, my curiosity with this topic came about because I was actually witnessing baby boomers, true baby boomers, and millennials in the work environment and constantly at each other. And I was watching those who I would deem as Gen X come to me and offer me these solutions for them, but they didn't want to get involved. Mm. Like, I don't really want to get involved in it, but here's what I would do. And I would also, I would also say to them, well, well, then why don't you get involved? Why don't you lead the situation? Why don't you become this emerging leader because you have the capacity to do so, to offer both of them? So I talk about this in the book. Gen Xers have become this unique bridge between the two, which can be a, a, a big value add to any organization who's looking to you know, do this huge transfer of power, if you will, from boomers who are, they have to leave at some point to Generation X who will take over the mantle because they're kind of next in line mm-hmm. and will have to lead the new generations of millennials, Zs, and those yet to be determined. Yeah, well, let's, let's define the, the years here, right? So boomers were, on average, their age, so they were born in like 1946 through 60, early 60s, is that right? Yeah, they go to up about, just right after World War II, up until mm-hmm. about 1965. And you got to always remember... When we talk about generational cohorts, there's always a little bit of a lag sure. each way. So we're talking two to three years swing each way. But boomers go up to about 65, and then you have the Gen Xers who take over till about 1979, 1980. Mm-hmm. And then millennials, this where it gets a little bit funky. Millennials go up until about the late 90s, and then some will even offer into the early 2000s, and then early 2000s to almost present day, I would say about five years ago. I would say Gen Z. Now, again, back to that, Yeah, what do we call the new group? What's the next one? I've heard a lot of different generation next, generation Y, you know, but we know what really defines a generation. The research shows us that pop culture, politics, healthcare, technology, these are the things that really shape and mold a generation into what they eventually become. Well, you talk about how Gen X is the the latchkey generation. It might be the best hope for leading us in current times. Why is that? So I'll take it. I'll take it from you know to, from my perspective, but also my experience is that there was a time period where we had to figure it out on our own, right? Where if you look historically, and we can go right to pop culture with this, when do we start to see a shift in what the family dynamic looked like? And that was you know if we look at the Brady Bunch, right? Yeah. The Partridge Family. Some of these shows that we saw uh, shifted in the early to mid seventies and into the early eighties, and we redefined what the what the traditional quote home life uh, and home looked like. And we also started to see from uh, an environmental and a, a business standpoint, people couldn't survive on uh, single income homes. You know, you would see now this starts. Both parents are having to work. They're not present after school. They're not picking the children up, bringing them home, getting them started. It's kind of like this group was kind of like on their own for a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. And most of it was right after school during the summer months. So they were having to figure things out 
creating things on your own. And you see, it's funny because you, if you if you if you're tuned into social media, you see memes and all kind of social commentary related to this. Like this is what we did during you know our younger days. We were outside. We were the streetlights guided our you know when we had to be home. So I think. Mm-hmm. That level of autonomy really served Gen X very well to go into the work environment. And they were also, which uniquely positioned them well, they were part of this group that also had to adapt to a changing environment socially and culturally. So they possessed this dynamic, which is really cool, where they value and they appreciate being left alone and having autonomy, but they also understand the importance of collaboration. Where if you look at millennials and you look at boomers, they usually, boomers, autonomy, right? Completely autocratic. This is my way or the highway. Millennials, they need that collaboration. They need that team orientation. And you have this group in the middle that's kind of bridging both and saying, you know what? You both kind of get this right. So maybe there's a little bit to both of us. So do you think there's an advantage when you say bridging? in terms of almost shepherding the millennials to some extent? I do think so. But I, but here's the thing I think that as a leader, we have to be conscious of. Our next group that we're going to be leading, really, we have to meet them where they're at. So I would argue that Gen Xers have the capacity and the capability to adapt and to ship what the environment's going to look like in the work environment in the next 15 to 20 years. Baby boomers, as much as they have contributed to all aspects of our lives, they will be phasing out. It's just it's yeah. the natural progression. It's the evolution of that in the work environment. So I think the opportunity for Gen X is to realize what's really ahead of them and start to make those adjustments and those adaptations where boomers, they really had a hard time with this. You know, they were the ones that were loyal to one organization right. for 30, 40 years. They didn't understand this whole concept of being a free agent and moving around where Gen Xers kind of said, well, wait a second here. My loyalty really is identified with what I possess and what I bring to the table. So I'm a, I'm kind of like a free agent to some, some degree. And that was a whole dynamic shift in itself. You know, kind of a recap there. I just think that we're going to see this particular leadership group having to adjust and to meet the next uh, workforce where they are. You know what? You bring a great point. I do hear from time to time in my workshops, which by the way, I used to reference shows from like the seventies and now I just get like a deer in a headlight look. So I can no longer reference like the Brady Bunch or the odd couple, but you know, I do get every once in a while, I hear the pushback saying, well, millennials are not loyal. And I have to keep reminding, you know, the participants in my workshops that, well, the reality is companies stopped being loyal to employees a long time ago. That's an interesting perspective. You're, you're not wrong there. They have. And it, it, this is demonstrated, obviously, in the research and also how people have migrated out of positions or has changed careers and have made hard pivots. But it's interesting when you, when you hear things like that. I hear, and this comes from the baby boomers mostly, but I would say also older Gen Xers, yes. where they really hone in and criticize millennials. And I think it's truly unfair. I think it's really unfair for any generational cohort to unless it's totally egregious and it's something that's really off the mark to really just kind of, you know, hammer another generational cohort. But it's interesting when you say that their loyalty, when we we address their loyalty, because actually millennials are some of the most loyal people out there. If you think about how their, their loyalty to products, 
and their loyalty to causes and what drives them. And you sit down with them, they're making conscious purchasing and also business decisions based upon a company and how well they're impacting the environment. So I would kind of maybe challenge that notion to some degree. While their loyalty might not be blind loyalty, which is sometimes what I think older generations expect, this kind of blind loyalty to a cause or to a company because they've been there, their loyalty isn't, it does exist. It just may look a little different. You know, I think if you're on the older side of the Gen X, if you were born a little bit earlier, closer to the boomers, there probably is that sense of that loyalty that's needed for organizations and so forth. I think you bring up a great point with that. What would you say is the biggest gap between Gen Xers and millennials? It's a, it's a good question. If I had to pinpoint one thing, I think Gen Xers, they really value, they were the first ones to really hone in on this whole we hear this a lot, work-life balance, work-life balance. Yeah. But they really were the ones that really defined what this would really look like uh, on both sides, the organizational side and also on the employee side. I think they've done a really good job to kind of outline what, what the expectations are there. I often say this, that it's not the company's responsibility to control your work-life balance. It's their, their responsibility is to provide you the opportunity to have work-life balance. It's your responsibility as an employee to engage in that process and make sure you're doing uh, everything that's in the best welfare of yourself, right? Taking care of yourself, uh, making sure that your needs are met, making sure that the organizational needs are met, making sure that your family needs are met. So it's your responsibility to do that. Where I think the millennials kind of get off of track is like they forget that it is their responsibility and they really look to the organization to craft out what that what that ultimately looks like. And it's really not their responsibility. So when I would say balance at the end of the day, I think Gen Xers really understand holistically and in totality what balance looks like. So kind of focusing on this balance and what does really true balance look like? And I find that Xers get it right. And millennials are still trying to figure that out and, and leaning maybe sometimes a little bit too hard on what can you do for me and what can the organization provide for me? What, and they might not be taking total ownership in this area. Mm. And so as a Gen Xer, because that does come up a lot, what's in it for me, it's kind of like, you know, you hear this cliche of entitlement type of approach from the millennials, which I think is unfair, quite honestly. But, but actually, you just reminded me, you talked about how Gen Xers are good with change, or I think it's even a, a chapter in your book where you talk about how Gen Xers are change catalysts. Is that something where we as if we're a Gen Xer, we should be a little bit more mindful and leverage that in how we approach managing those who are millennials, the ability to adapt and change. What we've learned, I think, with millennials is we haven't given them the space to be able to, to adapt, right? Mm. We, we, we're making decisions constantly for them. And, I, and I've talked about this extensively on the education side because mm. I saw this firsthand. You know, I, in my career, I started in law enforcement, but I transitioned to education at one point, and I was actually in the middle school classroom. And it was just at the onset of experiencing what would later be defined as helicopter parents. Yeah. Parents who were just, they were involved, for better or worse, in all aspects of their children's lives, on the, on the soccer field, in the classroom, in their social lives, on the playground, in their academics. And they really didn't have those opportunities that a lot of us had 
in prior generations to figure things out, right? Mm -hmm. Because those things were being done for them and continually to some degree. And I will say this, having two children, I have fallen to this. I have done this where I am very quick to step in and solve the problem. But that's part of my DNA because as a Gen Xer, I had to figure things out, right? So I didn't, I wasn't waiting for Superman to come at the end of the day. I had to kind of piece these things together and ultimately develop this skill set. And I think when you remove that opportunity from a generational cohort and it becomes absent, we kind of have to almost not retrain, but train in some cases the first time and hopefully hone in on some of these skills that may be delinquents, specifically in millennials. You know, a lot of the polls out there and, and data suggest that that millennials want to be coached, right? And, and it sounds like based on what you're saying, that's part of the reason why is because, you know, and you're right, I've done this myself with my boys. I kind of just stepped in to, to, to show them instead of letting them try to figure it out. Is that fair then? Does that align where the millennials do want a coach? just not a manager. They want somebody who's going to be coaching, guiding them along the way. You are 100% correct because let's look and evaluate how they were taught yeah. and how they were coached on academic, not just in academics, but on the, on the sports fields as musicians, right? They, they were, it was constant encouragement. It's constant course correction. And so they almost expect it to some degree. And this is where I always would often see this natural conflict between baby boomers and millennials. The baby boomer, here it is. This is the, this is the information. Get at it. Here's the deadline. Here's the goal. We'll see you at the end of the day. And the millennials like, well, wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> I, I need a little bit more. I need context. I need to know the why is very important for millennials. And if you think about it, how many conversations do you get into where Someone, you're talking to a millennial and they kind of pump the brakes and they just want to know how we got to here. Like, what, what, why did we get to here? Where Gen Xers, we are so accustomed to the baby boomer just saying, this is it, get it done, get it done yeah. by the end of the day, that we just are in autopilot. Yeah, go figure well, it out. <laughs> go figure it out. But we do recognize to your point that, that if the, if millennials and Gen Z to a certain degree have been taught this way, have been, coached this way on and off the field, then I think we have to kind of, again, it goes back to meeting them where they are. Yeah. Well, and you talk about Gen X leadership styles in your book. Can Maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. I, I think I've I talked about this the most on a lot of different podcasts and also in a lot of different interviews because it comes up a lot. I, I've been asked many times, you know, what is your leadership style? And I think I've always gave the the routine answers, you know, I'm a participative leader, I'm a charismatic leader, I, I lean on situational leadership, right, you know, and, and, and we, we reference the theories and we reference the, you know, the buzzwords. But I started to change that a little bit when I've been asked more recently, and this is probably a little bit of the genesis of this book is someone asked me, well, you've been successful in this space. Why? And I say, and I just blurted it out. I'm like, I, I lead like a Gen Xer. And they're like, well, what does that mean? You lead like a Gen Xer. How do you define that? Is that a whole other style? I said, it is. And here's what it is. It comes down to when you boil it down, it's these three things. 
hire good people. Mm -hmm. Hire great people. Now, there's a lot of work that needs to go into that. So it's not just, you know, surface level. There's a lot of money, time, and effort that goes into identifying, recruiting, and bringing a person on. But if you don't have the talent around you, you're probably not going to be that successful. Mm -hmm. Number two, when you get that talent, you got to keep them. So train them. Onboard and spend as much time, energy, money, and resources to ensure that they are committed to the long-term success of your organization. And more specifically to you, you're bringing them into the organization. You've committed to them. You got to show them that you're committed to them as well. And number three, the most important thing, I think Gen Xers get this right, is you got to get out of their way. You can't be the barrier. You can't be the constant putting things in front of them that impede their progress. And I know that sounds like, oh, well, Robert, it's, is it really hiring the right people, training them and getting out of their way? I think it is. I think if you start with those three things, you're going to be very successful. And I think that is what a Gen Xer does. And I, time and time again, I've seen success in this area. Yes, there's a lot of moving pieces. It's sure. not that simplified. It takes time, resources, and talents to be able to do that. But if you get, I think if you start out with that framework, you're probably going to be pretty successful. I mean, the first thought that comes to my mind, or even when I, you know, in, in my workshops, managers ask me what's the, or emerging leaders ask me what's the most important thing a manager, biggest responsibility is, first thing that comes out of my mouth is hiring. Number one on my list. And it's the first thing you mentioned just now, which is so important. So, and so what you're saying is that the Gen Xers understand this. They get this right, or at least they, they understand the importance of it. Hiring, you know, the retention and getting out of people's way and, or eliminating obstacles that are in people's way as well. Yeah. And even though I, I simplified it, but that's what a Gen Xer does. They simplify yeah. things. You have your, you know, again, referencing some of these other generational cohorts, you have your boomers who are like, they tend to lean autocratic, mm -hmm. you know, command and deliver, right? That's what they do. Your millennials want a little bit more. Like you said, they want a little bit more coaching. They want a little bit more guidance. They want to know a little bit more about how we got to here. And in the middle is this group that says, guys, we got to get this done, right? Mm -hmm. We got to get this done and we got to satisfy both thinking processes here. And they want to go with the most simplified way to get from point A to point B. And that's really what the approach really does. So I feel like, yes, to answer your question, most Gen Xers really just want to cut all of that nonsense out and really solve the issue. What do you feel from a Gen Xer is something that might be either a deficiency or a gap specific to Gen Xers that might get in their own way sometimes? We talked about what Gen Xers do well. Is there anything is like their Achilles heel, if you will? So I would say the, their primary Achilles heel would be they've been shaped by wars, right? So they're right after the right in the beginning and then, you know, all the way through Vietnam, especially the older Gen Xers. They've also lived through the Cold War. So they're very skeptical of politicians, government, anybody with authority. Mm. And so I think what happens is they don't and they don't want to get involved, right? They kind of take a step back and they kind of let whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And it's that leave me alone and get off my kind of lawn kind of, you know, philosophy. And it's, it's just not going to work. So I think 
sitting on the sidelines is a problem. And, and that's why they're not represented as much as boomers. And now older millennials taking over, in some areas, leadership roles, right? Especially mid-management leadership roles. I'm not saying that they've been skipped or they're going to be skipped. They're just by age and by evolution, they're going to have to step into these opportunities. But I think staying on the sideline too long has been a problem and not getting in the game and being engaged. And so that tendency is definitely a weakness. And it's, it's, it's proven. They're just not represented. If you look at Congress and you look at, mm-hmm. you know, nonprofit leadership and, you know, corporate leadership, where do these roles historically, where have they fallen? And Gen Xers have not been as represented. Do you also feel that, going back to what you were saying before, which, which was interesting to me, where Gen Xers, you know, from the boomers, figure it out, just get it done. And Gen Xers are about getting things done. That sometimes they may not be as patient with millennials and just take things on themselves to do it versus coaching and, and providing guidance. It's just easier if I just do it myself type of thing. Doing the research and kind of breaking this down in segments and talking and trying to get some, uh, obviously some qualitative and case study data yeah. behind what I was doing. That was a theme that came out a lot. The, the ability to, not the ability, but the, the propensity to just kind of like, okay, let me just get this done myself and, and I'll just kind of streamline it and get through it and not looking at the opportunity that where this other working group can kind of, again, going back to figuring things out on their own, trial and error, and those types of things. So I, I would agree with you. I think that, that that is a potential problem. We spent some time talking about Gen Xers, millennials. Lately, this past year, I've been getting hit with questions around Gen Zs. And do we manage them any different than millennials? How different are they? Would love to get your thoughts on that population. Gen Z, they present, again, a lot of opportunities that we just kind of have to zero in and tap into. One of these is they really truly are digital natives. They are the, the group that is growing up with all of these things that we're doing in society from a tech standpoint, from medical. And so where we, Gen X, and even older millennials, we saw life without the smartphone. We had to handle life without some of these advancements. These digital natives, they know it like the back of their hand. So the opportunity I think that lies with leaders is enrolling them in our success, right? Not, you know, not kind of casting them out and just tapping into them when it's convenient, but really trying to figure out what, what the landscape will look like in the upcoming years and how we can figure out how to leverage them as an opportunity. There's also some deficiencies there. And I think that just has to be acknowledged as well. We go back a little bit and two areas of opportunity I think we have for young millennials and Gen Zers are, can we, to some degree, reevaluate their entry into the workforce? Because for a lot of them, it wasn't as natural as for you and I. You know, when we turned a certain age, we had a paper route and then we had another dishwashing job or some type of cashier job. And we learned valuable skills along the way from ages probably 13 to 18. And this has been very delinquent uh, in some of these younger cohorts. And so I think that the opportunity lies to make sure that we're doing all we can to bridge some of those gaps that might not be present organically by them being in the workforce at a, at a younger age. And also we saw this 
even with older millennials too, we saw Gen Xers and boomers having to stay in the work environment and not go to retirement during the double dip recession, right? And so people hanging on a little bit more and then being in jobs that normally would have gone to entry-level jobs that would have gone to these, these younger cohorts. So I think that there's, a, there's some opportunity there. There's some training opportunities. There's also, I think, identifying, I said earlier, just the landscape. What is it going to look like? And just thinking like, thinking like a Gen Xer, I'm constantly thinking to myself in my career, where I am at in age and in season, what will the next 15 to 20 years look like? Who will be coming in? How can we be uh, agile enough and adaptable enough to meet these new groups? And like I said, and I'll end on this, these new cohorts that are, that are even undefined, we don't even have parameters yet for them. We still need to be thinking about that because, again, we have an aging workforce that's going to be creating a lot of opportunities for people, and we're going to have to fill these roles. Mm. So do you feel like you know, some of the younger generations are going to move into higher level positions much sooner? I do think so. And I think that that's going to be a problem. I've seen it firsthand in a lot of different spaces, not just in the education space, but in a lot of different areas where we've moved people in because we don't have a pipeline. We have, didn't have a succession plan. And then we've also, and I don't know that this is a good thing or a bad thing. It's not my area, but we've also mistakenly, I think, substituted education for experience to some degree. And it's becoming a problem. If you put someone in front of me who's in their, you know, early 20s that has an MBA, that's, that really doesn't do anything for me versus someone who may lack that MBA, but they're maybe in their late 30s who, who have been in this whatever space for a period of time and has gained invaluable experience, especially because they're on the heels of the other generation and they grabbed all that knowledge from yeah. them, right? And they're bringing that experience with them. So I think we're, we're in a just a kind of a weird spot in the next decade where we're going to have this kind of this gap that we're going to be trying to fill positions, but we're not going to have the talent kind of ready to move appropriately into them. Mm -hmm. All right. So I think that's a great perspective. I didn't even think about it from, from that lens. So let me ask you this. So last question for you is if I am in a leadership role, Gen Xer, maybe on the older side of the millennials. What's the best advice you would give? Two things that stick out in my mind. The first one is getting in the game. I think you can no longer be on the sideline. I think that we're looking for this generation, this forgotten generation, to kind of step up and, and, and take the mantle. Because again, and not to be repetitive, we just, we're going to experience this mass exodus. It's already been happening mm -hmm. for close to a decade to some degree. So I would say get in the game. The second thing would be practicing some layer of kindness to the other generations. We can't be judgmental. We can't already paint them into a corner and say they don't possess these things or they're too, of, too much of this or too much of that or they lack this or they lack that. I think we have to give them a fair opportunity to succeed. And that really starts with, again, that model that I'm, I'm recommending here. Lead like a Gen X, right? Find that talent, coach them up. It doesn't matter what age cohort they're in. Every cohort has just all stars in them. Find them, cultivate the talent, and then let them let them succeed. Get out of their way. 
hire great people and just get out of their way. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And, you know, we'll put your link to your book in our show notes and all your contact information. It's a, it's a hot topic. It's a great book. And I know there's so many leaders out there that have a lot of questions on this and I highly recommend that you definitely read the book as well. Robert, thanks again for coming on the show and, and talking about your book and your research. Thank you so much. Great conversation. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend or colleague who you think might also get some value from it. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast. 